Oh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. You hit better. Get them up, get them going, wake them up. It is Hook them Up with Ian Rod B. on a Tuesday, 10 October, and a lot to do, five hours. And our five-hour morning conversation begins right now, five hours a day, five days a week, here on 1019, maybe AM 1260 where you find us. Could be uh, digitally, and we appreciate those who are uh, driving those numbers through the roof on our Horn app. Listening by the morning and by the day, however you find it, right there on your uh, smartphone, touch of a button, you've got us wherever you are, here in Austin, all over Texas, all over the world, on that Horn app. Same thing for our website, hornfm.com, where you can watch the show and all the shows here on the Horn on our Twitch channel, also on our YouTube channel, which is growing as well. Appreciate that for subscribing at uh, The Horn Austin on YouTube, always to find us, Austin's only. Local morning sports conversation, five hours a day, five days a week. And look who it is across the uh, desk. He probably has jogged four hours already this morning, changed a couple of diapers, and uh, rolled in here ready to roll. Our shutdown corner, man in his side of the program at a very, very high level. He is from uh, the DB High down in the 713 and DBU right here in the 512, four stops in the National Football League. Now a proud papa. He is the football theorist. Black Stradamus himself. Good morning, Rod Babers. I appreciate the intro, E, as always. And, uh, yeah, feeling good. Uh, love the fall weather, man. It's awesome. Easier um, to jog, right? Those, Easier to get those. Uh, yeah, uh, those, those four-mile runs are pretty good. They're pretty easy. 30, yeah. What did you tell me, 32 minutes? You I try to do the road. Uh, the goal is I do try to four miles and at 32-minute pace or under 32 minutes. And right now I'm at I'm, – um, yeah, I'm at thirty. Am I thirty-one or thirty? So I'm, I'm, I'm flying through them. Eight-minute the miles. Eight-minute miles. Yeah, that's that's the goal. I don't want to push it. I'm not trying to. I mean, what am I doing? I mean, who? Are, <laughs> I'm not trying to win any competition. Just trying to stay in some shape. All right. Just trying that to heart, uh, get that heart flowing. Want to make sure I get up and start working hard. It's, it to me, I I, I actually hate running because it's painful for me, and that's why I do it. Honestly, got to get up. I gotta uh, gotta make sure that either in life, my dad once told me, you either got the pain of discipline or the pain of disappointment. Choose one. There you go. Nice. Pain of discipline or pain of disappointment. Choose one. And which one you want? Say, well, I'll choose the pain of discipline. Get up every day. Get it done. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, but uh, I appreciate the intro. As we always do, we salute those who choose to serve. Our society built on the selflessness of service. So we appreciate each and every one of you. It is not uh, just an empty gesture, man. We really, really mean it. Uh, The first responders, the soldiers, the teachers, the nurses, uh, waste management. I mean, we can't name all of you, but we really appreciate you. Officers of the law, uh, we really appreciate all those who choose to serve. It's an honor, but also a burden. So uh, every morning, we'll make sure we give you that shout out. Thank you. They choose to do it, just like you choose the discipline. They choose to get out and serve, yeah, serve to, others man. and to help others, whether they're teaching or assisting, uh, medical assistance, whatever it might be. Uh, of course, in defending our country with the midst of what's happening globally, and uh, we're all keeping our eyes on that and praying uh, for the best Amen. for all those all over the world, because uh, tense times oh, for sure. Yeah, things are getting crazy. Uh, safe to say. Yeah. Um, actually heard a report from... Uh, uh, Fort Hood, Texas, mm. of rumblings that oh, uh, they're man. starting to ramp up out at uh, Fort Cavazos, I should say. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, high times, high times. We have sports to talk about five hours a day, five days a week. Thankfully. There was a uh, uh, pretty dreadful football game on last night, but, man, thank goodness for the baseball. The baseball was phenomenal. Hope you're watching that Braves-Phillies classic last night. We'll get you caught up on it. Also, Longhorns now turning their attention to getting healthy in their bye week with their goals still firmly in place. Cowboys Looking to pick up the pieces after getting mm. decimated by the uh, San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night. By the way, next time we see the Cowboys, will also be in primetime next Monday night when they face Kellen Moore and uh, Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers. Oh, that's going to be old oh, storylines galore. Oh, man. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. That's great. That's uh, the next. I mean, can the Cowboys, they, they can't get embarrassed twice in a row, right? Intimate knowledge of each other. I mean, that, I mean, I, I mean, that is 
they, they Kellen Moore knows the Cowboys organization oh. <laughs> as well as anybody on the outside. It, he coached in <laughs> yeah, it. Right? And the and Cowboy- who, nobody knows Dak Prescott better. Exactly. Dak Prescott sucks. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot now that is a part of the, the catalog. Um, but, yeah, and also the Cowboys know Kelly Moore. They do, too. I mean, they they do know too. him very well. I cannot wait to see who wins the uh, the battle of the chess match within the game with that group. Yeah, did you hear that? That's what people are saying. That's why, like, analysts are saying about Dak Prescott now after after games. That's it. Yeah, yeah that was. I mean, he's a 49er slanted yeah, oh, yeah. view of things. But but not, not holding back on that. Hey, I'm a Cowboys fan. I'll say it. Dak Prescott sucks. <laughs> Not, not he sucked on Sunday not, night. Not forevermore. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, he sucked on Sunday night. That was the whole was, team. Has he always? Sucked. I feel like he's always sucked though. I don't feel like Dak is always. I feel like now Dak has maybe plateaued, and that's the concern. Well, has yeah, he plateaued. He's, he's peaked. He's peaked. Yeah, and and is, he, is he now starting to regress now that he's plateaued? That is the concern. I will admit that, and I'm a I'm a Dak sympathizer. Well, and mm-hmm. I will say that because uh, I know you were homosexual before you were a Dak sympathizer. I'm oh, more yeah. of a Dak. Uh, never been a hater of Dak, but just never a big believer in Dak. Yeah. I liked what because mm-hmm. I, you know, again, think about uh, we talked about the the Texans' young quarterback C.J. Stroud. He came out and uh, set the record now for most attempts, uh, pass attempts without an interception to start a career. Mm-hmm. Well, he broke broke Dak Prescott's record exactly, which tells you Dak Prescott kind of burst on the scene. But remember that was a run based offense behind a great offensive line. It was an off- it was Zeke, an offense- Zeke Elliott. It was built for Tony Romo. It was yeah, it built was. for the end of Tony Romo's window because he was so fragile. They were like, we got to build this dude the yeah, best O line in the league to protect we'll take him. Zeke in the top yeah. five, and we'll run the ball. And, and it was a br- it was a brilliant strategy. But then he got hurt. But Dak stepped in. But that's the whole point is that's why people believe that's the best of Dak when he was a game manager and he had all those weapons and pieces well, around and, him. And now you're, you know, you, you moved from that to try mm-hmm. to build the offense around him and yeah. showed he showed a ceiling to that, and now you're going back the other way saying, okay, we got to go back to game manager Dak. And even and yeah. I think Mike McCarthy is a big part of this too. And, look, it was just one game. Cowboys one game. Will be, you know, can get back up off the deck. But, man, that was humbling because that's the team you have to beat. And you got humiliated. Uh, they 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 are locked in with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, you you you're not, you're not close to well, them. And, and, <laughs> you're not what's close. that? They're not close to them. The coaches, the coaches for the 49ers the coaches, are better. No. The defense is better. Their offense is better. Their quarterback is now considered better. I mean, what part of the Cowboys organization is better than the 49ers? None of it. Okay. Well, and we talked about it at the end of, <laughs> yesterday. I mean, to this point, no matter what has happened for the Cowboys this year, they've been the dominant performances over the Jets, Giants, and Patriots. They had the Mulligan mm-hmm. game against the Cardinals, but uh, so far this season is summed up by a six series, you know, six possession series in the game Sunday night, where the 49ers went seven plays into the end zone. Dak then threw a pick, three plays, sixteen yards interception. Come on, Dak. San Francisco took the ball twelve plays into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott two plays interception, one play touchdown, twenty one points. By the way, Dak was picked off on his third play of the next series three in a row so three straight touchdowns three straight picks mm. and that's the Cowboys I mean that's that's that was what the whole offseason was about and it's almost like it came crumbling down at the wrong moment at the in like, one quarter the, the, yeah, like right. oh my gosh this is horrible this, yeah this isn't close the agony. Just, like at least you could like do a slow drip to death no, no this was mm-hmm. just it's a meltdown wrecking epic ball. proportions yeah like Miley Cyrus and the wrecking ball did you see the press conference this mm. past week with Bill Belichick, where they were trying to explain to him Miley Cyrus' song, Wrecking Ball, and he was like, 
Who is Miley Cyrus? I don't know what you're talking about. Wrecking Ball? Wait, no Taylor Swift, but not Miley Cyrus? Well, the Come Wrecking on, Ball Bill might Belichick. be coming to his place, too, by the way. Um, yeah, there's a Reckoning. Reckoning. Uh, <laughs> that may be coming to Belichick because people are wondering if now he maybe have uh, maybe always overstayed his, uh, his welcome there. But he is, I mean, he's got, no, no, no coach has more Super Bowl rings. I don't know how many years you give him. To decide well, whether he is the post Brady, whether he is still an elite coach or up at your coach. Well, he needs help now. I mean, it's and look, I, I looked up some of the great coaches all time. You know, Tom Landry was seventeen and thirty in his last three seasons with the Cowboys. Yeah, man, father time. Uh, Chuck Knoll went thirty four and thirty in his last four seasons with Pittsburgh after winning four Super Bowls. It, and I actually looked because the parallels have always been there since the early two thousands with the Spurs, mm-hmm. right? The Greg Popovich versus great, and, mm-hmm. and Bill Belichick, and oh, you yeah. know, built around Tom Brady and Tim Duncan and yep. this great leadership. Pretty comparable, except for the cheating. Yeah, well, well, Greg Popovich <laughs> in his last four seasons is one hundred and twenty one and one eighty six. Yeah, and he's fifty games over five hundred, but he doesn't have Tim Duncan. It's a player's game, and in whatever sport you're talking about, you have to have the players. And here's the problem. This is with a situation where Bill Belichick, the general manager, I think is hurting Bill Belichick, the head coach. Mm, I don't just, like Jeremy, just like Jerry Jones, the general manager, has always interfered with Jerry Jones, the, the owner, who wants to win mm-hmm. championships. Uh, but, yes, I mean, they haven't drafted very well. They're not very talented. They don't have any skill and, players. And quarterbacks cover up a lot of organizational yes. miscues, mistakes, bad organizational habits. A good quarterback will cover that up, and then the quarterback leaves, and you go, Damn, that organization looks pretty bad. It's like, well, Brady was covering up a lot of stuff. He was, and they, <laughs> they had a good, they had a, a, a transcendent, all-time great quarterback, and they had a great core of leadership that kind of were built around one another on both sides of the ball through yeah. those runs. And uh, Brady was the constant, kind of like Tim Duncan was the constant for the Spurs, right? Yep. Uh, and you know, you lose those guys, you just don't get it back. And obviously, there's some young guns. That's the other thing about Bill Belichick, right? Yeah. These young coaches, these these Sean McVay's, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, these are the guys coming for it and um, you know, innovating and, and coming up with new things and you know, Andy Reid still getting her done in Philadelphia. All right, so we'll talk about the storylines of the NFL week five into week six, the college football storylines into week seven. But let's get you started with the headlines, trending topics to start your Tuesday. Top Gun Reynolds and Lana Quinn bring it to you. Start with Texas football, of course. And, yeah, the main goal for the Longhorns this season has been to play for the Big 12 Conference Championship. Even with that disappointing setback at the Cotton Bowl this past Saturday, that goal remains firmly in sight for the Longhorns. No divisions in the Big 12. Top two teams at the end of the regular season advance to the conference title game December 2nd in Arlington. If the Longhorns are able to navigate their remaining six games and play like a top-10 team, the probability is still high that they will be in that game. We went into the season with the goal to be champions, and those goals still remain. The two best teams get to go play for a championship, and we control that. we got to go handle our business, and we're more than capable of doing that. And so we do talk about big picture, especially during a bye week, so that they can understand the lay of the land. And then we drill back down into what's of importance right now and what do we need to do to, to make sure that we put ourselves in that position down the road. All right, yeah, as uh, Steve Sarkeesian said yesterday, bye week is this week. Coming out of that bye, ninth-ranked Longhorns will renew their rivalry with the Houston Cougars down in H-Town. That game was announced yesterday as a 3 o'clock kick on Fox TV. Texas has faced their former Southwest Conference foes 26 times before, but this will be the first meeting since 2002. Tough news out of Norman, Oklahoma yesterday. Sooners wide receiver Andrell Anthony will undergo season-ending knee surgery. He's going to miss the remainder of the season. He's been the uh, the Michigan transfer and led that team in receiving yards through their 5-0 start. Monday Night Football last night to wrap up Week 5. Vegas 
The Raiders hold off the Packers 17-13 at Allegiant Stadium on the strip. Uh, locked in a defensive battle. Raiders down 13-10, but running back Josh Jacobs, captain 10, plays 75-yard drive with a two-yard score. On the first play of the fourth quarter, put Vegas in front, and uh, Green Bay quarterback Jordan Love could not get his team back in, and he threw three picks on the night. Both teams now 2-3 and three on the year. Baseball, what a ball game in Atlanta last night. Playoff baseball at its finest. So the surging Philadelphia Phillies already up one game to none in the best-of-five series. Jumped out 4-0 uh, in the lead, last night in Game 2 over the heavily favored Braves. Atlanta's historic offense was shut out in Game 1, and they didn't have a hit against Philly's ace. Zach Wheeler last night threw five innings, but they came alive just in time. Played it a run in the sixth, and Travis Darnot tagged a two-run homer in the seventh. And then in the eighth, Austin Riley, their third baseman, played hero. Two. Here he comes. Riley in the air to left field. On the run, Marsh! There it goes! Austin Riley has given the Braves the lead in the eighth! Yeah, Brian Anderson with the call on TBS, a 5-4 win. Then, by the way, in the top of the ninth, the game ended on an incredible double play. Brave center fielder Michael Harris made a tremendous leaping catch off the right center field wall to take extra bases away from Nick Castellanos. Atlanta then doubled off Bryce Harper at first to close out the win and not the series at a game apiece, headed up to Philly now. Uh, out in, out west, the upstart Arizona Diamondbacks followed up their game one win over the LA Dodgers with a 4-2 win last night to take a stunning and commanding 2-0 lead in that series, headed back to the desert. Snakes have scored nine runs in the first inning of that series so far. They're 4-0 in the postseason. American League Divisional Series resume today and tonight. This afternoon, 3-0-7. Houston Astros will play Game 3 of their series in Minnesota with the series not at a game each. Christian Javier facing Sonny Gray at 7 after 7 tonight. Texas Rangers look to improve to 5-0 in the postseason and close out the Baltimore Orioles in Game 3. Dean Kramer will get the ball for the Orioles. Nathan Eovaldi for Texas. You can hear that game live here on the Horn starting with the pregame at 6-30. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Pretty wild that the Rangers could sweep the Orioles. Yeah, they're that's well. The, the Rangers, jinx it. The Rangers have been the streakiest yeah. team in baseball this it's year, in my wild. mind. But the Orioles haven't been swept all year, have they? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but they're back in Globe Life. That's place is going to be hopping tonight um, to go on the road and get both of those. We, we did say going into that series that the Rangers have the the uh, the advantage in in experience, not not because the, the Rangers have individual been in, pieces. Yeah, individual yeah, pieces. Yeah, yeah. Rangers like, hadn't been yeah. in the playoffs since twenty sixteen, yeah. but. Bruce Bochy's been there a million times. Corey Seager's been there a million times with the Dodgers. Uh, Marcus Simeon, I mean, the leaders of that team have, have got plenty of playoff experience. Nathan Eovaldi, who will get the ball tonight. I mean, he was a Red Sox when they were making runs um, back in the day. So, uh, And Baltimore's brand new to this, right? The Orioles kind of remind you of the Astros circa 2015 or 16, just a young, talented team whose best years are to come, uh, and they kind of got shell-shocked by that Ranger lineup. And that's the thing about the Rangers, Rob. They can just get really hot with the bats, man. When they get going. And getting hot at the right time right, yeah. right now. They, they won their first, what, four? Yeah, they're 4-0. Road, they yeah, they and the Diamondbacks are 4-0, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Actually, both of them. Yeah, and uh, Astros, meanwhile, will be in uh, Minnesota tonight, uh, today, this afternoon, 3:07. They get the, the afternoon shadows game with uh, a couple of right-handers. But, yeah, Rangers, that place will be hopping. And, boy, the Philadelphia game, Atlanta last night, that was – I mean, if you, if you say you don't like baseball and you can watch try to watch that Monday night football game and then flip it over and go back and forth between the, the drama, the excitement, the uh, the every pitch, edge of your seat stuff versus what you were getting treated to in Vegas, yeah, that wasn't close. Because what we were watching in Vegas was bleh. Jimmy Garoppolo against Jordan Love. Might not, I don't know, man. Like, no, it was ugly. 
It but was ugly. It was ugly. But at least you got, I mean, at least it was competitive. It was competitive. Because some of the NFL games actually have been ugly and, it, and non-competitive. Cowboys. Exactly. <laughs> some of the primetime games we talked about because of injuries and other things, but like that's one of the issues with the NFL now. They, you know, Some of their primetime games have just not been great. I want to say only four, maybe four of the last 36 NFL games have had a fourth quarter lead change. Yeah, That was an issue last year, too. In primetime games. Yeah, yeah it's, you're right. it's hard to pick them, but at the same time. Because they, they don't have flex scheduling early, so they don't know. They're guessing who's going to be really good. Sure. Yeah. Trying to build that. I'll say this for, for the baseball side of it. I mean, if you were flipping it on in the fifth inning, I mean, the tension of the building. I mean, you're in Atlanta, right? They won 100-plus games. They had historic offense, and they're, they're being shut out again. And so every every all forty thousand people are on the edge of their seat. They're 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 half panicked. You can it's one of those things you can it's palpable that oh my gosh we're about to go down two nothing. This, this this is not good. And of course then the the roof comes off, which they don't have a roof, but the uh, they, they they blow the place up with the two the two run homers. And that play in the ninth inning was just unbelievable. Can think about the circumstances there. Bryce Harper's at first base. Uh, if Harris doesn't go up against the wall and make that leaping grab, um, that ball hits the wall. Karam's back. Bryce Harper scores easily. We're tied at five. Who knows where that inning goes? And for that's how that's how the game ended on a double play. Now Bryce Harper was too far off the base. He was that was a bad base running move. And then a ninth inning of a baseball game. But still, he tried to guess. Looked like the ball was over the guy's head and was going to come off the wall. Uh, instead, Michael Harris Jr. makes an incre- or the second makes an incredible play to end the game. And that series is now on. Uh, must see TV when they get back to Philadelphia. Yeah, no, and the Braves are just. I mean, they've been. Probably one of the most exciting teams oh, all, all year long. Did they, they set the home run record? Correct? Did they? Did they do it? Uh, they set the record. Well, they, they, set, they as a team, they slugged over five hundred. They more hit more home runs than any other team. Yeah, but, I, I mean, it's like I the, believe they set the home it's run like record. The, it's like the twenty nine Yankees. It's like, come on now, they're loaded. I mean, this just loaded and uh, to be shut out. You give the Phillies credit because the Phillies, Phillies shut them out in game one. And and you know how this goes, Rod. When you start to grip a little bit in any sport, man, you start. Swinging at pitches you shouldn't be swinging at. We're watching the Dodgers do it right now. Mm-hmm. This is what's happened to the Dodgers with Arizona. Arizona's taken early lead. They scored six runs on Clayton Kershaw in the first inning of game one. They scored three more runs last night. And then all of a sudden, this Dodger lineup, who has worn teams out by taking pitches and working deep into counts, um, all of a sudden they start swinging at things uncharacteristically because they're trying to make something happen. And that's the difference between regular season marathon baseball, Rod, where you can wear down a team. You can yeah. you know, win the 162. And now you're in this sprint. And, boy, you get you you get you get the tension going. Mm-hmm. And uh, the pitching tension, the hitting tension, high leverage, high leverage yeah. at bats and, 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 and mounds. And, uh, man, that was good stuff last night. And uh, Dodgers are in trouble in a big way. Phillies Braves looks like that one will go five games in my mind, and now the Rangers have a chance to advance to the ALCS. Astros need a big win. This game three always critical, and uh, we'll see those today. So loving playoff baseball, loving the uh, the football, unless you're a Cowboys fan and uh, mm. Longhorns. We'll hear more from Sark coming up behind the burnt orange curtain. Sark with his uh, Monday news conference yesterday, not panicking. Rod, safe to say, no, no, he's not panicking. He's and I like I like the way Sark addresses the media. I mean, he is pretty honest about. The way things happen, his thought process, the rationale. Um, he was pretty honest about the final drive and the the goal line situation and, and what he what he regrets and what he would change and what he wouldn't change. He's yeah. actually stubborn about well, what he wouldn't change too. So yeah, we'll let you I hear that. He, I he answered the questions for sure. He did, and I did sense watching it and then watching it back. <laughs> and we did record our our multicast as I Mike Craven and myself, the Eyes on Texas, nice, and played a lot of Sark sound. He sounds a little honestly. He was easy. He's any competitor is 
ticked off to lose that game. Yes. But he does seem a little miffed at the defense and maybe even PK a little bit because, you know, yes, the clock management is on him to leave the leave 117 on the clock, but we can go through the circumstances. But, you know, it's shades of the Alabama game last year. You know, you've got to be able to close that game out as a defense and certainly not lose the game. If we get to overtime, okay, it's it's football 2023. We can't give up a touchdown there. we got to be better and communicate better. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, Rod, Rod, I mean, you've got to you hold your defensive staff accountable yeah, you do. when you get to that point and not you blow like three coverages on three different plays. You blew. He 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 says basically you blew two coverage. Well, we know he, he said they blew the, the Drake Stoops big catch. Yep, they blew that coverage. He said the the first play was just missed tackle, which it was. I just missed a tackle. Um, and and by the I, way, that was big because you had a chance to get him out of bounds. Oh, it was huge. Exactly. Can keep him in bounds. I should yeah. say keep the clock running. Um. And he also, uh, well, he didn't admit it, but he talked about the last play, which we all know that was a miscommunication, a breakdown there from David Benda. He did not bump the coverage over. So, and then you had the penalty. Remember, well, you had the PI too. So essentially, there were six plays. If you include the PI on that final uh, defensive drive for Texas, Oklahoma's offensive drive, and and their game-winning touchdown drive. And three of those plays, you had either a penalty. A a communication breakdown and or a a a front uh, breakdown in the front as well because he talked about two players having and being in the same gap well, and not that, having gap integrity. So half the half the plays defensively that you were uh, defending Oklahoma on that game winning drive, you made mental errors and made mistakes. That is why you lost the game. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you had your so, own going the other way when you had the ball and a chance to run out the clock, and we know there was a big yeah. sack that was critical yeah. on an RPO on first down from the 35-yard line that set you back. So, uh, but I'll say this: it did. You know, he, I'm not saying PK's in trouble. I'm just saying you got to get these things fixed. We got to. You can't have that. What do we talk all off-season, Rod? Critical execution and critical moments. Yes, sir. Uh, and they didn't. They executed the other way. They crumbled. And at your point about the two guys in one rushing on the same play where Dylan Gabriel threw the game-winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Hill and uh, I think whoever was coming off the edge. It was uh, I believe the corner is coming off the edge. Well, they, the corner. Anthony Hill and uh, so two players tried they to shoot the, the same corner. gap. They blitzed the corner, and it allowed the left tackle for Oklahoma to block two players. And if one of them takes the right angle and right right gap. There's a good chance you get to Dylan Gabriel on that. That was the one play on that drive where they brought pressure up. It's the only one they blitzed. And they brought pressure. Now, Gabriel still may have gotten it off, but there's a if you get a clear run, and if you get a sack there, Rod, think about the ramifications of that. I mean, that was, that was, I mean, there were under 20 seconds to go. Oklahoma didn't have a timeout. If you execute a basic pass rush and get a sack, Oklahoma's probably either trying to spike the ball or rush their field goal unit on the field to try to tie the ball game. Uh, that's how critical that was, and obviously we know the you know the back end also blew the coverage with David Benda confirming that that was his his bad on that. But to your point, as a defensive player and defensive staff, you have to be disappointed to not be able to to, to actually you you have to be disappointed that you had executed that poorly in those critical moments, missed tackles, blown assignments, yeah, so um, made it too easy on the it, opposing no, team. To me, it makes it's easier to accept. You don't deserve to win the game. Yeah, it's pretty right. simple. You had you had four downs on the goal line against Oklahoma, your hated rival, biggest game of the year, there you go. biggest stage. You 
I'll, I'll kind of quote what uh, <laughs> the Nick Nolte character from Blue Chips. You got the best O-line money can buy. <laughs> the best O-line money can buy. And you're on the goal line, big humans. You put even bigger humans in there. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, and you still couldn't get in there. And everybody across the country agreed you had the line of scrimmage advantage in the game. You don't deserve to win it. Don't deserve to win the game. It's okay, though. Because you'll learn from it, get better, and you'll beat them next time. But that's offensively why you didn't deserve to win the game, because even your coach admitted, and we'll play the sound, it sucked. When he was asked about the play calling and the execution on the goal line, he said it sucks. It sucked. Okay. You don't deserve to win the game in that situation. Because if you if you punch it in there, then the, pretty much the game is yours. I mean, you your red zone inefficiencies, as Sark also mentioned, cost you the game. And then now on defense, we learned from the head coach, Thank, thank uh, God he's so honest and authentic. Um, he said they had a coverage breakdown um, in the, on the Drake Stoops uh, catch on the last drive on defense, and they also had a coverage breakdown, we know, on the game-winning touchdown play. And also on that play, they had two guys that were in the same gap, so you had lack of gap integrity. God, that was, like you said, that was the most important defensive drive of the game. You had all game long to adjust and and come up with counters and and, and, and countermeasures, and yet that was what you did on the most important well, drive of the game defensively. You didn't deserve to win. You're right about that. And, and win. It's okay. on top of it, you had played some pretty good defense in the second half after the first drive of the third quarter. You played some pretty good defense, and to kind of melt down like that, uh, disappointing. So, yeah, total team loss. Uh, now you pick up the pieces, get a week to get healthier, and uh, fix some things. We'll hear Sark on the, uh, throughout the course of the morning on the bye week game plan, uh, what the, uh, the plan will be to fix some of these issues in the red zone. Uh, and on the back end of the defense, uh, also the injury update. That's all coming. Plus, we'll get some what the facts here from Sark behind the burnt orange curtain. It's Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby, just getting warmed up on a Tuesday. Austin, Texas Sports, the Horn. Hit us on the text line 512-337-3776. Have your uh, opinion heard, voiced. Appreciate those. Also, some of you folks are still hitting us on the old text line. Uh, we had it for years and years and years, so that's understandable. We have changed the number. We can still access the old one, but you know, time to get this going. Four four seven three seven seven six is the Switch way to up. do that. Um, so somebody on the, our man Oz and Round Rock says the NFL intentionally puts old puts out crappy games on Monday and Thursday nights. They know people will watch anyhow. <sighs> Probably true. I don't know what's going on. I don't think on. they do it on purpose because I know the TV partners. I know Troy Aikman didn't love it last night. Yeah. Trying I mean, to watch the Packers haplessly try to block Max Crosby. Max, Pro- Max Crosby, one of the most underrated players in the league, Rod. Guy's really no a good, doubt. Guy's yes. really a good player. Not just a pass rusher, but a run. one of the best run stuffers too. I mean, he is. He's he is good. I agree. He's a high, uh, you know, high motor player. But it's rare to get a player of that impact in the fourth round. Fourth round pick. That guy plays like JJ Watt sometimes. Like, geez, he's on every play. He's making mm-hmm. something out. Oh no, you talking about value? Oh wow, I mean, you got to pay for it now. But yeah, no, he is. Mike, uh, Mike Mayock made a bunch of bad picks. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, I'm starting to wonder if that Jordan Love pick was a good one. I'm starting to wonder. If that was a good he, pick. For they him. still call him a young player. He's fourth year in this league. I know he hasn't played a ton. He hadn't played a lot, but it, it, it's it's clear that he he was making strides, and now we have not seen improvement for like a couple. Well, and you two, played in the league. That's, is that more about teams getting tape on him, getting film on him, and finding yeah. tendencies? He just didn't yeah. have that. You yeah. haven't seen him. Yeah, I agree. I think that's because exactly, he started out, actually, his first two games. He was pretty good. And in the last two games, two or three games, he has not looked as sharp. So um, he's like six. I think he's six of 24 on 20-plus yard passes down the field. 
Um, it's completion yeah. percentage on the year is 55.6. Ooh. Yeah, that's not good. That ain't good. Yeah, you can't be below 60% in the league. That ain't good. good. Yeah, exactly. Even in the games he played well, those first two games he mentioned, it was 55 and 56. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe he's never looked good. <laughs> just, I mean, he had, he had three touchdowns in both those games, but yeah. obviously he's not getting getting in the right spots. Well, they I think they, they don't trust him yet in basically in predictable passing situations to be able to throw the football. So if you can get them at third and long and a second long, then, I mean, they, they basically they have to abandon the running game to a certain extent. Uh, that's when Jordan Love can be exposed. So they need the running game. And Matt LaFleur is great with the running game, but um, right now that offense looks uh, just looks – Pedestrian, the Packers offense. Yes, doesn't scare you. No, there's nothing and, about and they, that. And scares they, they miss Aaron. They miss Aaron Jones desperately. I mean, it's he, he, yeah. AJ Dillon's a you know he, plotter. Good, good goal line back. He'll be good when it gets cold on at Lambeau Field, but no, explore. not on every down back. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't have the explosivity. You need one of those guys. Yes, you and do. Aaron Jones got it. <laughs> All right, Rod. Uh, we'll we'll take your thoughts on that game. The playoff baseball was phenomenal last night. American League. Retake center stage tonight. Tonight and today, Astros and Twins from Minnesota. That place will be hopping. We, should, you know, Minnesota's crowd was so good when they remember they had gone eighteen straight playoff losses. They were oh. on that that twenty hey, year streak. I'm, I'm glad that that crowd was still into it. Good for them. Yeah, they oh man, they were man, just they were great, pumped. great, great fans. That's why it was such a joke that Tampa had under twenty thousand people and they don't really care about their team, even though the, the Rays are good. really good. Team's that could almost They're demoralize a player. It's like, oh, yeah. come on, man. Yeah. Uh, we won one hundred and sixty-two games for for this crowd, but uh, yeah, Rangers uh, will have a great crowd at Globe Life tonight. What's the uh, What's the song they want to hear tonight? The Gilf. What's the yeah, Gilf the song t- they, they want to hear? Creed. Any Creed? Any Creed, huh? Creed. So we, can well, we play cre- some Creed? Oh yeah. Is Creed gonna if they go on or okay? Let's say this this Creed thing takes off because the Rangers are pretty hot right now, right? Apparently, the Ranger players are telling the fans we love we get rallied around Creed songs. What'd you say? What's the uh, genesis of the story? The origin? Uh, just Ty? when they were you know midseason lull. Yeah, uh, they needed to you know kind one of, of their many many bad streaks this year among yeah, their many so good the streaks. Locker room jokes. Uh, yeah, and, just yeah, having fun. Pick me you know, up. Kind of brought them, got them through the year. Okay, so if this thing actually takes off, and let's say they actually do go on a streak and they make a run here in the playoffs. When is Creed gonna get invited to to come down officially? Like, you, ever, when is, you ever seen the video on Thanksgiving at the Cowboys game where he's like, "Oh my god!" I'll what's have the to guy's name? Uh, Scott. Is he, are they from <laughs> Dallas or something? No, uh, I don't think, think so. so. I think yeah. I, just, I, was, I don't know if there's a connection. I think they just it was kind of an inside joke thing, and then it kind of. I mean, that's going. like that's kind of how it is for me. Is I don't I didn't like like Creed, but then I started jokingly listening to it drunk out with so my friends so much I, that now we can sing all the songs. You became yeah, I, yeah. And I ironically became a fan yes, of Creed. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. That is great. You ironic. You know who else did that? Jimmy Butler did that with country music. He said he basically his 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 teammates would annoy him because in in the locker room they would have their headphones, but they would turn their headphones like outward and just turn it up, turn the volume up all the way, and, and everybody could hear their music. And he's like, "What's the point of headphones, guys? If you're gonna just let everybody hear your music and don't put them on your actual head?" Oh. So he said to annoy his team teammates, he actually brought in like his own little boombox and he started playing what he thought was the most annoying country song. We'll, we'll play the audio from it too. He tells the story, and he said he started listening to this country song annoyingly, trying to annoy his teammates, and he started liking it. And he was like, "Holy man, this, country, this is a damn good country well, remember song!" Now, Jimmy, and then he became a fan of country music, and now he's made a country album, and everything. You remember Jimmy? I you not. Jimmy Buckets is uh, grew, grew up in Tomball, Texas. Yeah, Tomball, Texas is country if there's ever country. Now it's blown up Tomball into Magnolia yeah. now, like all of Houston with growth. But when I was growing up, Tomball, I mean, that was the country town of all country towns. I know, but he said he didn't like country music, though. Oh, but, uh, but you grow up it, in it, Rod. 
Eventually, it's, it's like osmosis, it. right? You're going to grow up around. That's true. That's true. Used, good there was a place between where I grew up in northwest Houston and Tomball called uh, Virginia City. Virginia City was a kick. It was a dance hall. Dan- dance oh, hall. dance halls. I'm sure Jimmy Butler <laughs> made it to Virginia City. Well, just trying to hit on chicks. Oh, yeah, I've, yeah. Been, I've been to some of these country dance halls, too, but I'm just I'm there for the That's women. Because right. they're there in tight jeans, right? Not, yeah, exactly. I'm not there to, to absorb the country That's music. That's what I'm saying. Culture. I'm sure Jimmy I'm Butler found the, his way to Virginia the, City. The women and, uh, look good there, and they want to dance. That's right. And, That's hey, right. That'll get you places. Exactly. You know exactly right. I can't tell you how many nights I hung out with some of my, my homeboys. They're like, man, we're going to check out this uh, this dance hall here. Was it? It's like Mavericks. Look, I was a kid from – from Ohio when I was eight, and so I didn't listen to big country music guy, but I, you know, you go to the dance hall. Hey, hey ladies, the ladies at the dance hall, we go to the dance hall. Hey, <laughs> sneak your way in because you're only, you know, 17. Hey, can we uh, go behind the burn orange curtain? Texas took <laughs> their first loss of the year. They're still not a top 10 team in the country. Let's get it. And they were all asking themselves the same question What is behind that curtain? All right. Um, Sark had a very long press conference yesterday. Um, I want to say his media availability went like 28 minutes, 7 wow. 30 minutes. Um, and he, I mean, he did most of the talking. Like, he wasn't uh, short-winded. I mean, it, he, he went on and elaborated on a lot of different things. So we got a lot of sound. We'll make sure we get to it. I want to discuss, because we were just talking about the defensive breakdowns on the last drive uh, when Texas is defending Dylan Gabriel on their game-winning touchdown drive. Um, he addressed that multiple times, the defensive breakdowns on the final drive. Um, here is – okay, so we'll play a couple of cuts here, but here's the first one. And I believe he went into this almost unsolicited, being asked about the defensive breakdowns and talking about exactly what happened. Here is uh, Steve Sarkeesian. The, the first one was kind of a, a missed tackle there on the sidelines where it would have been great to – Wrap the wrap the receiver up and keep him in bounds to keep, to keep the clock rolling. We 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 let him get out of bounds. The second one was, you know, miscommunication uh, in the back end where, um, you know, our two safeties are playing one coverage and everybody else is playing another coverage. And in turn, uh, the the same common theme defensively reared its ugly head. We didn't have very good pass rush lanes, uh, and Gabriel was able to really step up in the pocket and give the illusion that he was going to run. And then that forced uh, Jalen Ford to have to try to come up, and then he finds Stoops in behind him for about a 30-yard gain right there. What, but in reality, it all started with we weren't on the same page from a coverage standpoint. So um, those were the first two. Naturally, hey, the pass interference is pass interference. We could argue it was or it wasn't. Uh, but then in the end, you know, they're scrambling a little bit. There's 15 seconds on the clock. We felt like we had a great call and, and we didn't execute it. So that that part was probably the most disappointing thing. But that was a little bit of a common theme overall. That if you looked at offense, you looked at special teams, you looked at defense, at different aspects of the game, we didn't execute some things that were, I don't want to call them simple, but things that we've been running now for almost two and a half months. And so uh, I'd like to think that we can operate better than that. And so we've got to, we've got to get back to. Uh, executing at a level that is the standard around here. All right. Now, he wasn't specific on, you know, exactly where all the breakdowns were, but he did say that the safeties, essentially, that was a uh, bust in coverage because they were playing a different coverage on that Drake Stoops reception on the final drive than the corners were playing, which makes sense because you're trying to figure out, like, man, how is he that wide open? That's essentially what happened. That is very disappointing. So you're saying out of the six, what he's saying is out of the six plays 
that Texas had to defend on Oklahoma's final game-winning drive, you had either a penalty defensively, a coverage breakdown, and or a breakdown in the front on three of the six plays. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> and you had both on the the touchdown, the uh, game-winning touchdown play. You had a coverage breakdown in the back end with David Bender um, and Jaron Thompson on that side, and you had a breakdown in the front. He said two players were in the same gap. I went and looked at the play. The only play where it looks like there it is it's actually looks like there may be two of those plays potentially. I think he's talking about the blitz side. I think he's talking about Terrence Brooks and Ethan Burke potentially. Because nobody's in that B gap over there. And there's a offensive lineman for Oklahoma that has nobody to block over there on that B gap. And I think that may be what he's talking about, but I'm not sure. He wasn't specific. You have breakdowns, multiple breakdowns. I did see a, a highlight where you know Oklahoma fans posted it about how their left tackle blocked two guys at one time on yes, that play, and I think that's what yeah, and that, that, that allowed the you know he yes. he didn't have to make a decision; he was just able to, to block them both because they both ran to him. <laughs> yeah, they ran right like, into him. Why'd you run to him? And because and, and by the way, the guard was late. Yeah, the guard initially yeah, there was a crease. He blocks in. Yes, there was a crease, and it looks like if they either did a twist or a stunt, or if. The defensive end crashes down, then he he may have a chance because Dylan Gabriel, right? He's he, really that's his window. If you look at it, it was if they called a blitz or a pressure specifically specifically to hit that B gap over there, there was a that's where his window is. That's where Dylan Gabriel was actually looking. And so even if you don't get the sack, you could potentially force him to have to. Double adjust, clutch, yeah. yes, right. He might have to adjust. He might have to, you know, abandon the pocket uh, in a different way, or maybe throw off platform. So, yeah, it is a little bit disappointing there. Uh, here is Sark. He goes into further detail about those uh, defensive mistakes on that final drive. Here's Sark. Everybody wants, and we all want, to pressure the quarterback. And sometimes in game, trying to sack the quarterback maybe isn't always the best thing to do because that's when you can get out of your rush lane and you can create a really big B gap for a quarterback to to go run through or you try to come underneath the tackle and now you let the quarterback flush out to his left and buy more time and in turn now you have to cover longer right down the field so I think we need to be mindful of how we rush and who we're rushing against I think that's one thing that that we can improve upon Uh, and then the second thing is just making sure we're on the same page in the secondary We, we we can't have you know, two two critical breakdowns in the secondary uh, in that type of a game, in that moment of the game. We need to all be on the same page, and that goes back to communication and and making sure that we're on the same page and, and operating the calls that, that we have. Yeah, that was disappointing that they well, had multiple breakdowns. I listened to that, and I, you know, this coaching staff does a pretty good job of fixing issues the team has. And you talked about a lot that um, maybe it would have been better if Texas faced Jalen Daniels or faced a quarterback who could expose, expose these issues bit, yeah. so you can work on them. They had faced four run-based offenses and then three backup quarterbacks along the way, and uh, maybe had a false sense of security of what they were doing because they're, they're, I mean, that plays right into Texas's strength, right? Right yeah. into the line of scrimmage, right into the uh, big tackles and Jalen Ford. Obviously, playing a pass-based offense with a high-end sixth-year quarterback uh, exposed all the issues that they have, and now they have two weeks to work on it because uh, they've got six games left. It's, and I think they'll fix it. I really do. Or they'll or they'll change the defense, they'll tweak the defense, I should say, to make sure that they uh, address the weaknesses within the structural integrity of the defense. I just think they went into that game thinking, oh, we can rush the passer organically, 
and our our DBs will definitely hold up in coverage. Yes. With, with the underneath stuff, we got to worry about the deep route. And we all worried about the deep route, too. He only threw two deep balls. <laughs> and they connected on one. And even on the last drive, my theory is that they told all the young DBs, in addition to the coverage breakdowns, hey, don't let anybody else get behind you. And that's why you saw some of those underneath throws, those curl routes, Oklahoma get them and have plenty of space to get yak yards. Um, I think they'll correct those issues. And personnel-wise, they you may see some changes there, too, in terms of the guys that are playing and rotating in the secondary. Well, and that's where I'd say, you know, as I said yesterday, when they hit the 20-yard line and the field goal's kind of conceded, go ahead and call timeout. Get everybody yeah. together. Let's say, let's regroup here. This was too simple for them to go 55 yards in three plays. Can we take a timeout, uh, you know, kind of like basketball, and trying to prevent yeah. a run? You're right. And uh, get everybody. Because, look, the, the players you just mentioned, maybe shooting the wrong gap, those are both freshmen. you got Ethan Burke and Terrence Brooks. These are young players. Young guys. Yeah. These are young guys. Young and, guys. and they're Oklahoma's going fast. Um, things are spinning quickly. They're in the Oklahoma end of the field. Things are, you know, just get that time out, calm everybody down. I agree. And Sark wasn't asked about it, and I wish he would have been asked about it because I think he probably would have admitted, yeah, in retrospect. Yeah, because he yeah. will admit it, you said. <laughs> All right, that's our first behind the BOC. We'll have more from Sark throughout the morning. It was a long press conference yesterday as he was available to the media. They had answered some questions about the uh, 34-30 uh, disappointing loss. Doesn't derail the season, though. We'll talk about that as well. Coming back, what the facts? Some facts from around the sports world. Always fun. Also, might hear some Creed. I looked up Creed tie for the Rangers, and they're one of the they're out of Tallahassee, Florida. This Creed, the Scott Stapp. Sounds about right. And, and they're kind of the Florida Georgia line to country music as they are to rock and roll music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're all they're kind of the same area. Hey, <laughs> hey, make, hey, not throwing stones. Just saying, of, not my cup of tea. But if the Rangers, cash homie, man. If the Rangers need some Creed, then get them some Creed. We'll play. They'll play the uh, Orioles tonight. We're coming back. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, bringing it for those Texas Rangers looking to close out. There's some Creed, Scott Stapp, and yes, thank you to everybody that sent the video of Creed and Scott Stapp on Thanksgiving playing at uh, halftime of the Cowboys game. And our man Scott Stapp, Scott Stapp with the greasy hair wearing the uh, customized Dallas Cowboys jersey, Rod Babers, uh, with his last name on the back. <laughs> What's worse, a guy wearing, uh, you know, like the Micah Parsons jersey, or what about the guy that gets his own name on the back of the jersey? <laughs> hey, man, commit to the bit. All right, if you're going to do it, commit to the bit, damn it. That's, oh, I'm all about it. it. You're going to do it. Don't, don't halfway do it. Commit to it. Scott Stapp. Yeah, that's well, what the, the way, Rangers baby. are rallying around. The Creed oh, out of Tallahassee, Florida. You know, bad, bad, bad pop rock. It's okay, though. I love it. Because, you, yeah, you like bad music. I'm, I'm all in on that. <laughs> I like good music, too. I mean, Ty, did, you, uh, did you make it out to ACL? You, you've you been sick, so I don't no. know that you made it to ACL. I'm going to try to go a day this weekend since we don't have a game, but. I didn't make we'll it. I'm going to see. I don't know this pit this weekend. Weather looks right. Rod, did you get out to see any live music? Come on, man. Nah, you know, I got a, I got other obligations. You got crib. baby at mama at home. <laughs> mama would not enjoy me, would not well, appreciate you... me going out and hanging out while she's at home. Why? Uh, Come on, man. Business. Well, did you hear the story? A couple of interesting things from ACL Weekend 1 and What the Facts. What the Facts. Kendrick Lamar, which was the big closer on Friday night that everybody was geeked up to see because he's such a great performer, he was like an hour late um, hey. the, yeah, because his the airplane, he was flying in private, and apparently the, they had plane troubles. 
Oh, no. And he had to get another plane, and he was flying in. And uh, Charles Atal, one of the founders of the ACL Festival, one of the C3s, uh, he had to pick him up and like race him over to the to the show. And I think, and then remember they have time restrictions because of the neighborhood agreement. Oh, you're right about that. So he only played for like 30 minutes. Oh, really? That's it? And they tried to extend it. I think 30 to 45, and, and he was like rushed. He got he's changing clothes in the on the SUV when they're driving over there, trying to get to Zilker Park. That's crazy. That always happens with the rappers at ACL. Oh uh, well, I guess he. he I mean, they said it was uh, <laughs> rappers are always late, or they play for like ten minutes and they're like, all right, peace. Well, peace. according to Charles Atoll, it was um, he was highly apologetic. Like you know, they he almost didn't make it. They had to like find him another another private plane or whatever. You know that goes, I guess. But uh, he's That's playing wild. again this. Friday, he's going to be the closer, and I would imagine he'll get a full set he, in this. He time. is one of the best hip hop acts I've seen live. Yeah, yes, he performs. Yeah, he's oh, a he is a brilliant yeah. performer. So like yeah. the year Future came, and he couldn't even stand on stage. Okay, <laughs> and then uh, how about this, Rod? Mumford mm. and Sons closed it on Sunday night and brought out the entire Austin High Maroons marching band to okay. start their show. Like nice. the entire hundred kid marching band out there on stage to, to perform to start the show, which, according to all that were in attendance, was really cool. I like that. Very cool. So props yeah. to Austin High. Uh, forever proud. Now, loyal forever. Loyal forever, that's what they say? Mm-hmm. Loyal forever. I didn't go to that school. Uh, Rod, <laughs> what do you have in uh, What the Facts? Uh, I got a bunch of these. Uh, first of all, What the Facts, bad news for the Vikings. Why oh. Justin Jefferson is going on IR. Right got about ha- the time to pick up uh, add and drops today for your fantasy football team. Yes. He got a hamstring injury he's dealing with, so he's going to be out of, out of commission for at least four games. Justin Jefferson averages the most receiving yards per game in NFL history. 98.1. He is also averaging a career-high 114.2 receiving yards per game this season. He has never missed a game in his career prior to this, and he just needs, hundred and I believe it's 117 receiving yards to pass Michael Thomas for the most in a player's first four seasons in the league. He's a beast. They need to go ahead and trade Kirk Cousins to the Jets right now. Just do it. They're 1-4. Yeah, you're right. They need. It's time to tank. Get you a quarterback <laughs> yes. of the future. Yes, it's about that uh, time. And remember, they have a new coach who's only there two years now, and and you know he's got some slack because Kevin O'Connell won 13 games mm-hmm. in the division the year before, uh, and they have a new gen- general manager. Yep. They can say, you know what, we 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 overachieved year one, kind of like the Austin FC thing, right? We 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 need to fix our roster. It we, was a fugazi, a fugazi. Yeah, we we overperformed Ooh, our our yeah. talent in year one, which. As you t- documented, all the one-score victories and miracle comebacks and those kind of things. Uh, but, man, we can put ourselves in position to draft one of these quarterbacks next year to go with Justin Jefferson, and we can kind of rebuild our defense, mm-hmm. which they need to keep doing in Minnesota. Because Kirk Cousins is in – you always have to add, Kirk Cousins in, in what the facts is playing out the final year of his deal. And so you were going to have to make a decision on him anyhow. So off to That's a 1-4 true. start. I agree. Start the future. Hey, uh, this isn't good for Craig Way and our friends who root for the L.A. Dodgers. The Dodgers. The Dodgers starting pitchers in the first inning in their divisional series with Arizona have an ERA of 40.50. Ouch. 40.50. That ain't good. They give it up nine runs in the first inning. Mm. That's the, yeah. (laughs) In the first 118 postseason games all time, three 100-win teams lost their first two postseason games, both at home. Uh, Dodgers are in desperate straits right now. Orioles also did it. They were a 100-win team. That's crazy. Yeah, this is baseball, baby. But you talked about how in the playoffs, because of the the obviously the, the shortened uh, series, and then how different the rotations are, weird things happen in terms of the comparison to the 162 game season. You're right, and how it breaks. Well, out. because I mean, the the Dodgers have a 300 million dollar payroll. They can kind of weather injuries, and they got a great mm-hmm. farm system, and 
162, but man, you hit you go from a marathon to a sprint really fast. Yeah. That's the beauty of playoff baseball. You go from the grind of six months to your season can be over in two days. Mm-hmm. That's what's that's what's so entertaining about it too. Yes. Because it's so unexpected. Uh, the way things go, because yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Right now, it's actually started out almost exactly how Major League Baseball would have wanted. Well, they want the Braves. <laughs> they want the Braves finishes. Dodgers. They would want Braves Dodgers. Well, I'm just saying, like the how, how oh, competitive yeah. and yeah, how yeah, yeah, yeah. entertaining the games are. But you're right in terms of the end product, they want yeah the big sexy matchups. Braves Dodgers would be two huge markets, two huge so, fan lot of bases. star players. Arizona. Mm, it's a good story. By the way, look at the look at the Diamondbacks. They're a little bit ahead of schedule. Guess who's rising through their farm system? Ivan Melendez. Hey, yeah. Hispanic get, type ten. We might get to see a big eyes Ivan on the big mm-hmm. stage in the future because that looks like a team that's going to be bound for the postseason for many years after whatever happens this year. Uh, could be on to the NLCS with one more win. We'll come back. What the facts? Also, uh, reset your headlines. What a game last night. What a finish in Atlanta. If you missed it, we'll uh, walk you through it. Also, more on the Longhorns and. Uh, let one slip away and get away from you and got outplayed by your rival. How do you fix that in the, the bye week? Looking at six more games to go in the 2020 season. All things we're talking about on a Tuesday, 10 October. Glad you're with us on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.